DiscerningHearts.com and the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study presents Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Sharon Doran, along with her husband Steve, are founders of the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study, whose mission is to actively seek truth and raise up disciples for our Lord Jesus Christ through an in-depth Catholic Bible study. Sharon, who holds two master's degrees in education and in pastoral theology with an emphasis in sacred scripture, is an experienced Bible study teacher for over a decade. She has a passion for scripture that motivates and challenges her students to immerse themselves in God's word and apply his message to their everyday lives. We now begin the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study with Sharon Dorn. Hello, friends. In this two-part lecture series, Sharon Dorn from the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study will be discussing the miracle that Jesus performed in the multiplication of the loaves. This miracle of Jesus was one of only two miracles that was recorded by all four Gospel writers. Hi, everyone. This is a huge miracle, and it's a prefigurement of our Catholic Eucharist. It is not so much about a little boy sharing his lunch. I'm sure we've all heard those homilies, but this is about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the anointed Messiah, who has come and is feeding his royal subjects with bread from heaven. This will be a perpetual feast of unending love for all time by his royal heirs. This multiplied bread is still feeding us today. It is the bread of angels, the bread from heaven, the medicine of immortality. If you eat this bread, you will never die. Adam and Eve did spiritually die when they ate the fruit of the forbidden tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when God spoke to Adam immediately after the fall, he said in Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 to 19, Adam, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree about which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you, Adam. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Now why is God already, this early, uh, talking about bread here in Genesis chapter 3. By the sweat of your face, Adam, you shall eat bread. Adam and Eve didn't even know what bread was. I mean, they had no wheat fields or ovens for baking bread. All their food had been provided in the garden by their loving Father who gave them every good and perfect gift. They could eat from any tree they wanted except for one. And of course, that one forbidden fruit was the one fruit they had to sample, along with that subtle whisper of Satan. And Satan always, he always tries to undermine God's word. Satan always tries to get us to believe that God's word can't be trusted, that it's not true. He undermines our confidence in God's word. Well, folks, as you know, Satan is a liar. He was a murderer from the beginning, not knowing the truth because there is no truth in him. He's a liar and the father of all lies. If they had 
only eaten from the tree of life in the middle of the garden and not that other tree, they would have never, ever known death. But now they have mortal sin on their soul and they are not immortal anymore. But God had a plan. He had a plan since before the foundation of the earth. An anointed one was coming who would cleanse them from that mortal sin by his own death on another tree of life, the cross of the crucifixion. Jesus Christ will reverse the curse and usher in eternal blessing and a new fruit, not forbidden, a free bread of eternal life to eat. And if you eat this bread from this tree of life, you will never die. You will live forever, reunited with the entire Trinity in full communion in the eternal garden of paradise one day. Let's join Sharon Doran and the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study Lecture Series for the two-part series on the multiplication of the loaves. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study. Tonight, we will be discussing the multiplication of the loaves. It's a huge miracle. All four gospel writers have it. Matthew, twice. Mark, twice. Luke and John, all four. Tonight, we will uh, see again the three divine offices of Jesus, especially the prophet. Our catechism tells us that Christ, Messiah, had to be all three of these divine offices. It was necessary that the Messiah be anointed by the Spirit of the Lord at once as king and priest and also as prophet. Jesus fulfilled the messianic hope of Israel in his threefold office as priest, prophet, and king. Messiah had to be all three. Since before the foundation of the world, the Father's plan was Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ would be all three, priest, prophet, and king. The time of the curses is coming to an end. The curses of Deuteronomy chapter 28, all the prophets knew about them. When Messiah comes, it will be a time of blessing, great blessing. The curse of mankind was given to Adam immediately after the fall when God said to Adam, by the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread. Man has to work now. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread. Toil, thorns, thistles, work. By the sweat of your face, and tonight, there's no sweat on anyone's face. Jesus will give a free gift. The curses are coming to an end. Messiah's here and there will be great blessing, free bread, no work, nothing they have to earn. Not by the sweat of their face will they eat this bread in this most amazing miracle tonight. Jesus is giving out free bread, free bread tonight, the bread of life. They didn't have to sweat for it. They just have to trust God again. Trust the new Adam. Only two miracles are addressed by all four evangelists. This one, the multiplication of the loaves and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Those are big, big miracles. This must be a very important miracle. Could the curse of Adam, the curse of mankind, be coming to an end? Is Jesus the Messiah? Is he a priest, a prophet, and a king? I think he is tonight. Let's look at the transfiguration. A huge event in scripture, and there were two big prophets, really three big prophets standing there. Jesus is flanked on both sides by two huge prophets to the Israelites, Moses 
and Elijah. Moses, let's take him first. He was a very great prophet. The people loved Moses. When Moses was born, the king, Pharaoh at the time, wanted to kill all the Hebrew babies. He wanted them drowned in the Nile because they were producing too many. And the midwives feared God. And Moses' mother feared God and hid him in a basket in the Nile. Now Jesus, when he is born, kings from the far east will come to adore and worship the new king because they saw his star in the east. Same thing, a king, an evil king is going to want to kill all the babies so the holy innocents are slaughtered. Two kings that want the babies dead, the Hebrew babies dead. The holy family escaped to Egypt. Egypt is where Moses' people were from. Hebrew slaves made bricks for Pharaoh of Egypt's building projects. And I love this painting because it's the holy family on the way to Egypt and Mary's resting in the arms of a sphinx with baby Jesus while Joseph is sleeping. These would have existed at that time. God raised up a great prophet named Moses. And it will take 10 plagues to get Pharaoh to free God's people. 10 huge plagues. God will use Moses to free the chosen people. And God will lead them by a pillar of cloud at day and a pillar of fire at night. He will show them the way. They just have to trust him and Moses, the great prophet. And he will lead them across from bondage into the promised land. If they just trust him, just go through the water, the water of death. Moses is a great prophet, a very great prophet. And in the desert, the people are very thirsty. And St. Paul tells us that they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. So when they were thirsty, Moses would strike the rock and the people could drink. And when they were hungry, bread fell from heaven from the sky. Can you imagine how excited they were? The house of Israel called it manna. It was like coriander seed. It was white. And the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. It was wonderful. It just rained from the sky. In Numbers, it says the manna was like coriander seed. It was like the color of gum resin. And the people went around and gathered it up, and they ground it in mills, and they beat it with mortars. And they boiled it in pots, and they made cakes out of it. And the, the taste of it was like cakes baked with oil. When the dew fell on the camp in the night, the manna would fall with it. It was like hoarfrost. It was described as hoarfrost. They had to gather it every morning. Crack of dawn, they had to be out there gathering it until the sun, because the sun would melt it. In Exodus 16, Moses said to Aaron, take a jar of this manna and about an omar, that's about uh, three quarts of it, and place it in a jar before the Lord to be kept throughout all the generations. So we'll never forget how God provided this bread from heaven. And in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 4, they carried that jar around in the Ark of the Covenant everywhere they went as a reminder how God had taken care of them in the desert. Inside that Ark was the manna, and Aaron's rod that had budded, showing that he was the boss, he had the authority of the whole priesthood, and the tablets of the covenant, the law. Now, in the new Ark of the Covenant, we will celebrate the Immaculate Conception of Mary on Saturday, December 8th. And in the new Ark of the Covenant, which is Mary's body, are those same three things. The manna, Jesus is in there. He's the bread of the presence. He's the true bread of life. Aaron's rod, Jesus is authority. He has been granted authority from the Father. And the law, the tablets of the law, Jesus came to fulfill the law. Not abolish the law, but to fulfill it. A new covenant law. 
So Mary, the Ark of the Covenant, in her body is Jesus, the bread of life, the new manna, a child who will rule the nations with a rod of iron, an iron rod of authority. And he said on the Mount of the Beatitudes, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. So everything is contained in Mary, the Ark of the New Covenant. Now, this trip from Moses and the people, they're going from Egypt to Canaan, to the Promised Land. Commentators say that could have taken days, no, maybe weeks, maybe months, but certainly, certainly, certainly not years. And how long did it take Moses to lead the Israelites from Egypt to Canaan? Remember? 40 years. 40 years. Those Israelites ate manna for 40 years until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. 40 years of manna. Would you forget something that you ate every single day, every single meal for 40 years? That's 14,600 days of manna every meal. So they started to complain in Numbers 11. The rabble among them, the rabble rousers, had a strong craving. And the Israelites wept. And they said, if only, if only we had meat to eat. We remember. We remember we used to have fish. And, and, we, and we used to have meat and cucumbers and melons and leeks and garlic in Egypt and onions. And, and now our strength is all dried up. There's nothing but manna. I made banana bread yesterday for my boys. <laughs> they liked it. Um, <laughs> but the Israelites are grumbling. They're grumbling. And in the Book of Wisdom, it says, instead of these things you gave your people, food of the angels, you gave them food of the angels. And without their toil, they didn't have to work for it. No sweat on their brow. You supplied them heaven, bread from heaven to eat. You provided every pleasure and suited every taste. It was like wafers with honey. Psalm 78 says, God rained down on them manna to eat. He gave them the grain of heaven. And mortals ate of the bread of angels. He sent them food in abundance. And all they can do is grumble. Is this all you got? Is this it? It's the bread of angels, the grain of heaven. Is this it? Is this all? How many times do we go home from mass grumbling? We just had Jesus. I didn't really like Father's sermon today. I thought it was weak. You know? Did you see what that lady had on? Who would wear that to mass? I mean, really. Mortals ate the bread of angels. We got far more than the bread of angels. We received Jesus himself. Now, Moses had told the people in Deuteronomy 18 that there will be a new prophet. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You shall heed such a prophet. So a new prophet's coming, one greater than Moses. Maybe it's Elijah. He's on the other side of Jesus at the Mount of Transfiguration. Maybe it's Elijah. Well, Elijah, remember, ascended in a fiery chariot. He ascended off the face of the earth. He never died. And he has to return before Messiah comes back. It says in Malachi 4, verse 5, God provided much bread from heaven for Elijah. Many miracles. First, the ravens feed him by the wadi, by the brook. The ravens bring him food, bread in the morning, and meat at night. And then 
it's really God's hand is feeding, bread from heaven is feeding Elijah many times in the scripture. One time he just wants to quit. He wants to give it all up. He's had it. He's been chased by Ahab, King Ahab and Jezebel. He's had it, but the bread and no water. And there was a widow in Zarephath of Sidon. This is not an Israelite. We don't like Sidon, remember? This is a widow in Zarephath. Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I can have a drink? Because it's a great famine. And she was going to go get it. And she called out. And, and please bring me a piece of bread, Elisha said. And she said, as surely as the Lord your God lives, I don't have any bread. Just a handful of flour in the jar and just a little oil. And my son and I, we're going to go gather sticks and make a fire. We're going to bake our last loaf of bread. And then we're going to die. And he says, well, could I... Could you take that last flower and make me a cake of bread? <laughs> With your very last flower. And she does. She does. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. So Elijah's a great prophet. That bread did not run out for three years in her jar. She gave all she had, and she came to believe in the God of Elijah, the God of Israel. So Elijah's God can multiply bread, and not just bread for people of Israel, but people of Zarephath, of Sidon also. Malachi said, lo, I will send for you the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord. So they're waiting for Elijah to come back. And some people are suspecting that maybe Jesus is Elijah. Could he be Elijah? All these miracles. And if you are willing to accept it, Jesus said, John the Baptist is Elisha, who has come. Hmm. Now, Matthew 14, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted, a deserted place by himself. But the crowds heard it, and they followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus heard this, what did he hear? What had he heard? This is the chapter, but you had to look back a little bit. What had he heard? He had heard that the news of John the Baptist, the new Elijah, has been beheaded by King Herod. And it's in Matthew 14. John had been telling Herod that it was not lawful for him to have her because she belonged to Philip, his brother. And though Herod wanted to put him to death, he feared the crowd because they regarded John the Baptist as a prophet. And when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company a very seductive dance that greatly pleased Herod, enough so that he granted her anything under oath, whatever she might ask. And her mother prompted her to say, give me the head of John the Baptist here on a platter. And the king was greatly grieved, yet out of regard for his oath that he had given in front of the guests, he commanded it to be given. So he sent and had John beheaded in prison. The head was brought on a platter and given to the girl who brought it to her mother. And the disciples came and took the body and buried it. And they went and told Jesus what had happened. So that's what he's just heard right before this great miracle. Truly, I tell you, among those born of woman, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist, Jesus had said earlier in Matthew 11. And he said, if you are willing to accept it, John the Baptist is the Elijah who has come. And when he heard that he had been beheaded, he withdrew in a boat to a deserted place by himself. Put yourself in that scene. 
Their mothers had been friends. Mary and Elizabeth were kinswomen. You know Mary went on the visitation. She stayed with Elizabeth three months. And Elizabeth was older, and probably when she died, Mary, we see many paintings with Mary and John the Baptist and baby Jesus, kinsmen. They loved one another. Jesus loved John. John loved Jesus. John announced his way, prepare ye the way of the Lord. He told all his disciples, go over to him. Don't follow me, go to him. John always pointed others to Jesus Christ. And Jesus must have been sad. As a sidebar, that head of John the Baptist, many people claim to have that head. But Pope Benedict XVI announced just last August of 212 at the castle in Gandolfo that the Vatican has that head of John the Baptist and that it has been buried in the church of Pope St. Sylvester I in Capiti, in Rome, Italy. In Capiti means in head, <laughs> in chief. That's a coincidence because Pope Sylvester I, um, there are many relics there from the catacombs. But the head of John the Baptist is there, our Pope said, this August. Now when the crowds heard of it, they followed him on foot from the towns. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion for them. After all this sadness, he had compassion for them and he cured their sick. He had great compassion, always thinking of others, never using his power for himself. And as he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. This is Mark's account. He had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. John's gone. They're like sheep without a shepherd. He began to teach them many things. Sheep without a shepherd stray off, and they get into trouble, dangerous trouble. And so he has mercy on them. And Isaiah 40 had predicted that when Messiah comes, he will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. Like a shepherd he feeds. We, we have lots of songs about that. Isaiah 53 said that all of us are like sheep. We have all gone astray. There's no one here that has not gone astray at one time or another. And we have all turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He sent us a shepherd, a good shepherd, one who will help us find the way home. When Moses, the good shepherd, was about to die, he knew he needed to anoint someone else, someone full of the Holy Spirit. And he said, if I don't, they will be like sheep without a shepherd. So he anointed Joshua, son of Nun, who was full of the spirit. And he commissioned him in their sight. Joshua, the anointed one. Moses anoints Joshua, Yeshua. Yeshua. Joshua will shepherd the Israelites into the promised land when Moses dies. Yeshua. Joshua will be strong and courageous, full of the Spirit. He will trust the Lord even against the great, great, great obstacles in the promised land he will face. Joshua will shepherd them. Joshua is the name Jesus, Yeshua. Yeshua will be our shepherd. He will lead us to the spiritual promised land back to the Father in heaven. So when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and the hour is late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. And Jesus said to them, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. We don't have anything. They replied, we have nothing. Here, all we have is five loaves and two small fish. 
Look at how many there are. The other gospels say, are we to go buy 200 denarii worth of bread? Scholars say that's about eight months worth of wages. In John's gospel, Philip says, six months wages would not be enough bread for each of them to just have a little. One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? John is the only gospel writer who mentions this nameless boy. Now, a lot of sermons have been written about this little boy who shared his lunch. So the moral of this story is that we're all supposed to share it. No. No, that's, that's, no, that's not the moral of this story and many, many sermons because there are many Protestant commentaries written about this that Catholic priests would read in the 70s. God will use your gifts. You just got to share them. If that is what the inerrant Holy Spirit inspired scripture, this account of scripture, is that really, really, really the moral of this story? It's in all four gospel writers. Only one mentions him. He doesn't even have a name, this little boy. Is that the moral of this story? I ask you, Catholics. All four gospels have the multiplication of the loaves. All four gospels have the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is a huge miracle. This isn't a little boy sharing his lunch. When Messiah comes, remember last week, when Messiah comes, the prophet said he will have healing in his wings. And she reaches out. And he's heal she's healed immediately because she knew Malachi said, but for you who fear the name, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings. She reaches out. She knows the prophecy. She reaches out because he is Messiah. This little boy may be young, but he might know what Baruch said. In 2 Baruch 29 verse 8, Baruch was a scribe that wrote for Jeremiah but he was also a prophet in his own right. And he said, when Messiah comes, and it shall come to pass that at that same time, the treasury of manna shall again descend from on high, and they shall eat of it in those years, because these are they who have come to the consummation of time. When Messiah comes, he might have known this prophecy, that when Messiah comes, there will be an endless treasure of manna that will fall, bread from heaven again, like Moses gave. Manna. He's Messiah. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than Elijah. He's greater than Elisha, who fed 100 men with 20 loaves, 20 barley loaves. Barley's the grain of the poor. Elisha feeds 100 men with 20 loaves. That's a one to five ratio. The new Elisha, Jesus, the Messiah, will feed 5,000 men with five loaves. That's a one-to-one-thousand ratio. This is a greater, 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 greater prophet than any we've ever seen before. And the little boy knows it. Here, use this. And he said, bring them here to me. Join us on the next program for more with Sharon Doran on the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study. If you seek, then you will find, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You've been listening to Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. To hear and or to download this episode, along with many others, go to discerninghearts.com. To learn how you can become a participant, either online or in a classroom setting, of the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study, go to seekingtruth.net. This has been a production of discerninghearts.com and the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study. 
Join us next time for Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran.